I have tapes and they are hot, all quite ting ting, it's the start of the pod. My team's good and yours is not quite down ting ting, it's the start of Hey all you cool cats and kittens, coming to you in a pre-recorded fashion from the League Podcast Headquarters in Upper Arlington, Ohio, I am Diesel, and this is Don't Fear the COVID. Joining me today, as per the usual, is the Commish, and our guest today, from all the way up in the factory where they make all those fake-ass-looking McDonald's eggs, Meg joins us. Meg, how we doing? I'm doing good. I like to just start by saying, I think, John, if you'll agree with me, I think it's safe to declare Meg our number one listener. I've got two. Uh, I've got two reasons why. Yeah. One, Meg is, despite being not involved in the fantasy football league, is one of our most like loyal listeners. That she listens to almost all the episodes, and not only that, but she oftentimes sends us like critiques or comments oh, yeah. about said episode, which is. Way more than a lot of other people do. So I think I think I'm prepared to declare Meg our number one listener. I appreciate that, even though the critiques are um, a lot of times calling you guys sexist. No, I mean a lot of times Meg's been, Meg's been great at identifying just the horribly sexist things John says and just really calling him out. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You are the bigger aggressor than me, and sir. just calling him out for the monster he is on a regular basis. Yeah, it's Bullshit. just gives me too much material for me not to say something. I'm woke as hell. Okay, but uh, just something else too, and I, yeah. I do want to do want to share this. So a couple weeks ago, but our Meg gave us like said, "Hey, if you have an opening, I'll, I'll be on the pod." And we're like, "Oh, perfect! We've got nothing but openings." Uh, but, but when we asked Meg what if she had any segment ideas, she said these are the her areas of expertise that she gave <laughs> us that we could possibly make a segment off of, and it was, and I quote, "I know pop culture." manufacturing during corona sexism in the workplace but make it casual i don't know. let me think i for one wanted to do the casual sex uh, sexism in the workplace segment I to hear what that was going to look like. yeah i wanted yeah i was very excited to see what that was going to look like however um as uh you'll learn in a second we didn't do any yeah. of those things yeah we, <laughs> we went a different direction <laughs> Yeah, something that's more on point right now. Yeah, and that's a good segue here. Uh, so we're going to get into our, our segment for the day. Uh, it's going to be called Here Kitty Kitty. Oh, here kitty kitty. Oh, mama's got some treats for you. Oh, here kitty kitty. You can't find this taste in the zoo. And what we're going to be doing today is uh, we're going to be doing a little review, a recap, a sort of rewatchable style episode 
on the entire series known as Tiger King that's really fucking huge right now. Number one um, show, I think, anywhere in the world currently. It's number one on Netflix. I think it's number one in the world right now. Yeah, it's got to be only like competing with Love is Blind, if you've ever heard of that one. I've heard of it. I haven't yeah. seen it. It's, it's um, a good one. Well, maybe we'll have you back on and do one for that too, Meg, if this stretches on for long enough. Okay, okay. Or we'll talk about one of Meg's other areas of expertise in a later episode. Who knows? Finally do the sexism episode. Do the sexism one. Yeah, I get new material for that one every week, so just hit me up. We're going to have to do that. Now I'm I'm getting more and more curious the more we bring it up. We're going to have to do that one time. We're going to do it. You know, we're going to do it. again. We we we, get a lot of quarantine episodes left. Yeah, we, we got to be a whole here for the next six months. months. Yeah, at least at least a month. And you only so got one other it. segment planned for that time that I know of. Yep, that's true. We'll, we'll, remind him. We'll pencil <laughs> Megan either right before or right after Sam's episode. Maybe, maybe afterwards to like cleanse the podcast. Like let's let's bring woman back into twenty twenty. <laughs> that's to true. Cancel us. Yeah. <laughs> Be, that'd be a good cleanup cr- cleanup uh, episode for us. Yeah, that might that might be where we want to go. Um. All right. Well, Chuck, this is uh, you have the vast majority of the the preparation done for this uh, segment, so I'll, I'll hand the reins over to you if you want to lead us through this uh, jungle of a segment. Okay. So the first thing that I did was I identified sort of the major characters that were either played major roles or that we at least like did a lot of the interviews. So you have Joe Exotic, obviously, the proprietor of the GW Zoo. Uh, get Carol Baskin, the proprietor of Big Cat Rescue, potentially killed her husband. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. We have maybe the most legendary character in the entire series, Bahagavan, a.k.a. Doc Antle, <laughs> who is the proprietor of Myrtle Beach Safari, also, he was in um, Britney Spears, her like MTV music performance when she like came out with a snake. If you guys saw that, that's the little oh. pop culture. He's in the yeah, background with the tiger. And that's like back in 2000s, early 2000s. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff apparently with movies and yeah, uh, like yeah. Movies. So yeah, his his whole thing. They're like he's like the more high class like zoo, and they do all like the animals and movies. Relative. Uh, yeah, re- yeah, yeah, re- relative. Yeah, um, you had Howard Baskin, Howard Baskin, Carol's third husband, who yeah. I have said before is is in the running for all time beta. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll get to that in a second later. Uh, you had John Finley, Joe's ex husband, notably not gay, as as we learned towards the very end of that. That was a little bomb they dropped on us. They're welcome. That out was the a curveball. That was yeah. Yeah, and he has teeth now. He does. He's yes. come back from the brink of toothlessness, and he's he's back. He looks great, honestly. He's really doing well. Um, yeah. Rick Kirkham was the producer of a Joe Eye TV and was the one filming the reality series. Uh, you had John Renke, the manager at Joe Zoo, the guy with two prosthetic legs. Um, you had... Kelsey Saffrey, who we were discussing before, is was probably misgendered, I guess, during the the thing. I guess she identifies as a male or uses male pronouns. So to be safe, we're gonna use 
try to use they for her. But uh, right down the middle there. Yeah. So so they were the the one of the zookeepers. Um, they were the ones that lost their arm to the tiger. You had Eric Cowie, who was the head keeper at GW Zoo. He's a guy who looks like he's an SNL character with like the sunglasses and the <laughs> long hair. Um, Jeff Lowe was a businessman. That's on his IMDb for his role. It was just businessman was what they said for him. Uh, uh, Tim Stark, who was sort of kind of like the the least recognized um, wildlife guy. He's a proprietor of Wildlife in Need. He was a guy that was building the new zoo with Jeff at the end. Um, Joshua Dial was Joe's campaign manager. Um, uh, it was one of my favorite ones. He's he's a legend of the game. James, that guy had seen some shit. Yeah, James Garrettson, who again was also just listed as businessman. He was the big fat guy that was like the third money partner with Jeff and uh, Joe. Is he um, the guy that's like iconic now for riding? Um, yeah, he's a jet ski. He's a jet ski guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, which we'll get to that scene in a second or later. <laughs> um, Alan Glover was the handyman that Jeff. Um, hired was also allegedly the hitman that Joe hired to kill Carol. You had Dil- Dylan Passage was Joe's third husband. Seems to actually be gay. Yeah, the one yeah. actual gay husband that he had. He not, to be mistaken, not to be mistaken with Travis Maldonado, who was Joe's second husband, who was also, as we learned, just not gay. Wasn't he kind of tied for first husband? Because, like, they had well, that the, weird three-way. Well, he was definitely, so you think, he was definitely married to John Finley first. And then I think that they just sort of brought Travis into the fold with that, like, oh, three-way thing. Right. I think, yeah. I think it was like an add-on type of thing. Okay. <laughs> it was a supplemental uh, marriage. Um, yeah. You had Larry Rhodes was the Gavin County. I think he was the sheriff, but he was, like, the law enforcement guy they kept, like, cutting to. Um. Barbara Fisher was one of Doc's apprentices. She was the one that like managed to leave like Doc's area, and then they were there interviewing right. her. Uh, she was you a had, real one. Yeah, you had Mario uh, Tabrow or Tabru. I don't know how you say his name. Who was the proprietor of the ZWF Zoo and former Scarface? He was that guy, right? He was the guy who spawned Scarface. Yeah, who which they just. We'll get to that. And then last but not least, I have written down as somebody to remember is Mama and Papa uh, Shrivogel, who Shrivogel or Joe's parents. They were they were they played a sort of a big role. Um, I guess later in the series, they they certain teams seem to play a bigger role. And his dad also hates him. So yeah, Which, when, when they went off with when they were talking about how Joe Exotic was like realized he was gay, and when he told his parents. His dad made him shake his hand in front of their mom and promise not to come to his funeral. Yeah, that was like I, rough, but I, I don't know how you bounce back from that as a person. I mean, he attempted to kill himself, so it was tough. He, it was he really didn't, but he really didn't bounce back. But yeah, so those were the main characters that I sort of identified, or the important ones. Um, but I figured what we do with that is just sort of break down, go through the episodes, break them down, offer like our comments, um, things about them, and go from there. Does that sound? I'm in. Okay. Meg? Sounds good. 
Okay. Alrighty. All right. Episode one was called Not Your Average Joe. First off, the episode titles I thought were electric. Um, <laughs> Wait, you know what the best episode title is, though? It's it's Make America Exotic Again. That was the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. When there was like... One. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. So, uh... Not your average Joe. So we get introduced to Joe Exotic via that like phone call from jail. That's the first you hear about him. He's yeah. in as we. I don't know if we learn it right now, but we learn it pretty quickly. He's in jail for his involvement in a murder for hire charge. And then I we get his, briefly mention it. I think, yeah, I think they, they, they just sort of just touched on it. And then we get his backstory. Started his zoo in '99. We get introduced to most of his staff. Um. And then he basically Joe his sort of basis is that he claims his zoo is a way to promote conservation and that like people will be more willing to protect these animals if you can pet like a tiger cub like once you can see a tiger cub you're gonna be more willing to like pay or donate to like a rainforest conservation or something like that that's sort of his whole shtick the thing that he uses to like warrant what he does with breeding cubs and doing all that stuff and he also has that internet show Joe Which Exotic. I think like in the Go ahead. <laughs> you just gotta blow I through think... them, Meg. Just go. <laughs> I think in the beginning that was genuine. Yeah. That he see... was doing it for conservation. Yeah, it leads off with him seeming to have very like righteous and like sincere like goals and sort of motives like that i will agree with that like i thought that was critically true and then like so last he has that joe exotic tv um thing which as i i read into that a little bit john it basically like Mm -hmm. he was doing an internet show every night for like a thousand at most like people like sometimes like a hundred people like that's a grind that we have to respect being being what we do (laughs) He's I'm one sure his audience wasn't international, though. So <laughs> I don't know. He's got tigers and shit. Like was, that's got a draw that tossing, Chuck and I just don't have. Tossing you a bone, you didn't take it. Meg, I don't like to uh, to put on airs. Okay, not for our listeners. This is a down to earth podcast. <laughs> okay. And then we we also meet um, Carol Baskin, who. Becomes like the main antagonist to Joe, I think it's safe to say. Um, she wears that fucking flower crown, which yeah, I think it's just weird. I think I think I think I'm gonna add. Don't trust anybody that wears a flower crown to my list of like things to follow. <laughs> Life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> to just to just casually have a flower crown on at all times is just a weird move. It wasn't even ironic. Like, it was very sincere. Like, no, like, this is like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. Yeah. Like, let me let me go get my flower crown out from the back. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, when she was, whenever she, yeah, whenever she was, like, out the open, it was, like, flower crown on. Yeah. No, um, but she but she runs, she runs Big Cat Rescue with aforementioned um, Beta Howard. <laughs> um, and they're, her whole thing is she wants to stop animal cage breeding allegedly that's kind of what she was what that's where her whole thing is she wants to stop these these private zoo owners from breeding their cubs but um, i think she kind of has like the opposite storyline of joe whereas joe starts out from a seemingly genuine perspective 
of like conservation, she starts out with the opposite actually of like breeding for um, money, like her tigers and everything from what I've read. Yeah. And then she goes more into conservation. What we learned like part of the fall with her husband was her husband just wanted to breed them to sell them. And she was more like, didn't know, didn't know what exactly she wanted. But basically her feud with Joe began when she thwarted Joe's like mall hopping show where they would like travel to different malls and like do their little tiger show. He was where he was doing magic and stuff and yeah. uh, to, to promote allegedly conservation, but also to make money. Um, but then this feud is encompasses a lot of people. We get a brief Doc Antle intro, Bahagavan, one of the all time names means like Lord or leader or God or something in some yeah. weird language. Um, but like I said before, he's another breeder. He seems to be a little more high class compared to Joe. Um, they mentioned his cats a lot of times are the ones, whenever they need like a big animal or bear or something or a movie or whatever, he's sort of the guy that they use for that. But in episode one, he offers two great quotes um, about his zoo. Uh, this is my little town. I'm the mayor, the prosecutor, the cop, and the executioner. So you're like, all right, this is already looking suspicious. And then about Carol, he said, people who really love animals are rarely ruthless. And he said the Carol is very, very ruthless. So two great quotes off the bat from Doc Gantle. So thoughts on episode one from you guys. It was just a whirlwind to meet all these characters for sure. Took a while it's, to process. It was a lot when you, you keep being these people and you're like, that's not, this This isn't a real guy. Yeah. I figured. For like me, ahead. I didn't know it was so recent, the storyline. Like I thought it was much farther back. Yeah, I think like as early as like 06 is when a lot of this stuff like started. Um, and then it runs all the way up to the last couple of years. Yeah, like seventeen, I think, or something. Um, I, I, I after seeing um, what's his face, um, uh, John Renke and Eric Cowie, I was like, these guys are just on all kinds of drugs. <laughs> it's it was meth. it was it, meth it, from the get go. Yeah, uh, I didn't put John Finley. I have any teeth together that being meth right away, but I was like, these guys are all doing something together, like. <laughs> That seemed pretty clear, honest. And then um, I I thought Doc Antle was gonna be like the good guy, like or I was like, oh this, I was like, was like, I was like, here's the good guy, like because he was like he seemed to be in like, the high class like thing, like oh my animals are movies and they have all this thing, and I was like, oh this is like the normal person of the series. Nope, oh. as we learned very quickly. You no, know, see that's I came down on the exact opposite side, where I came down with like. Like, it seemed to me that Joe was like, all right, this guy's, like, clearly crazy, but, like, he seems to, like, just sort of be having fun. Carol clearly is just coming from, like, the animal conservation. Doc, from the jump, seemed like a high-functioning sociopath. Just the way that he was, like, speaking in two different tones the whole time. Like, he had, like, a, like, he was talking to the crew, like, normally, and then, like, if he was talking to the camera, he got real robotic about it. Mm -hmm. Like, he was doing, like, a press... It was kind of creepy from the outset. I, I so after there I saw somebody else or I heard I think part of my take did a review as well. And they said, Has there ever been a bigger 
more obvious orgy guy than Doc Ample. <laughs> it's the long hair gives it away immediately. In the one episode when he was like giving the little tour of his facility, I think that was episode um, two. Yeah, it was episode two and they give him the tour of his facility. He's like, look at my big couch here where we do photo shoots. It was clearly just a big like orgy couch. Like it was a big area that they clearly have orgies in. It was like it was like eight feet on every every side. It was, yeah, it was just a, it was, it was like a padded like wrestling rink. It was like, yep, I, this is that's very clear now what's going on in there. <laughs> I would be nervous to get on that couch if I was the camera person. Oh, for, for sure. That's a, a lot of diseases. Yeah, that uh, was an awkward scene because I think he like asked the camera person. Well, like, he's, he's like, get on the couch. Like, check out the orgy couch, and then the guy's like, oh no, that's okay. But he was. He was directing everything because he was, again, a high-functioning sociopath I <laughs> who love got a television scenes. crew sent to him. I love the scenes with Doc where he would do a take and it wouldn't be good enough, so he'd be like, cut it. But we get to see like the bloopers and what yeah. he deemed bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when he tells them, like, all right, so here's how it's going to work. You're going to walk up to my front door and I'm going to walk out and pretend like I'm just meeting you. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of how, like, Brian was sitting down um, in your room about to do the podcast, and it's like, really, John? You have to take notes on that part? <laughs> like, the introduction? You have to write that down? <laughs> just, all right, all right. Rick, I'll just, uh, you know, absolute, I'll be absolute, back. You guys keep going. I'm going to go fuck myself. Right absolute right. ricochet shot to John right there. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> All right, but let's, let's actually let's move into episode two, which was called Cult of Personality. Again, another electric title. Yeah. Um, it started with the 911 call after Saf got her arm uh, taken off. Or got, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Exotic throws on the bomber, the EMS bomber jacket before assisting. <laughs> Like, all-time, all-time move. No one was going to be on camera. Turns on the EMS jacket to seem like official. Um, we learned that they opted for amputation over reconstruction. That's a drug thing. They wanted to get back and just do more drugs as fast as possible. <laughs> I thought that was surprising that um, staff opted for amputation first, like, rather than doing the... I don't know, because in the end of the day, Saf got more of an arm than you'd expect and probably didn't have to change much of their routine. It's just the, it's just the loss of the hand is always yeah. the tough thing. Like, just like, and it was left, too, I think, because I think I yeah, thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's their left hand. Because um, you know there's the question that um, would you lose a foot or would you lose an arm? I always go with arm, and see, he proved it. Oh, See, I, disagree. I always go for foot, and this is or leg. Would you rather have no arms or no legs? No legs, I think, is the clear winner for one reason: be that the world has adapted completely for people that are in wheelchairs or they can't walk. Like, yeah. like almost everything now can be easily converted for people that are like that. No arms is a bigger problem. Like not having a function of one of your hands is a much bigger issue. I think. Yeah, definitely an issue. Yeah, if they I don't had have to a, lose two, I would lose the legs. But if it's only one, I I would lose my left arm. Over I mean, my legs. once again, you got Oscar Pistorius like ran in the Olympics. Like we've gotten really good at leg prosthetics. That's we have true. not gotten that great with arm prosthetics yet. 
Yeah. There's no good way to do it yet. Um, but they were back at work five days later. Um, I love when Joe, after they got their arm taken off, Joe walks into the gift shop. I was like, hey, you're going to see this on the news. One of our zookeepers um, stuck their hand in the tiger cage. The tiger ripped it off. Um, I'll offer you a refund or a rain check for a different day. Who took the rain check of the people <laughs> in that store? Who's taking a rain check to the tiger farm where someone just lost their arm? Like, Look, you I feel like it's going to be a stronger there. amount than you'd, you'd be satisfied. It's Oklahoma. Yeah. No, there's... You drove all the way down there. You're not just going to be like, oh, well, got to turn around. No. The kids wanted to see a fucking tiger. You're going to go see the fucking tiger. Mm-hmm. All right. I just threw it out there. Um, in episode two, you learn the dynamics of each zoo. So they start with Doc. Oh. Um, they lead off with the fact that mystery number of wives. No one knows how many wives this guy has. Right there, I was like, okay, my first thought on this guy, not correct. He's he's now the wild card. He, he, he's now the one to not be trusted. Um, his apprentices come to work for him as teenagers, and they stay for years. That's his life. That's where these people come from. They He changes their names a lot to make them more like exotic to fit with like, the Tiger show. So it's basically a cult. That's basically what we get down to. Um, If you got, like, say you went to Doc Antle's um, zoo, what do you think he would change your name to? Stallion. (laughs) (laughs) That was way too fast. You like that? Immediately had an answer ready to go. (laughs) Stallion. What, do you have any ideas on John's? Yeah, come on. Um, that John's a tougher one. I, I I know I know my being so well that I just I knew what he would call me. John, maybe more like antelope. So would it be an animal name necessarily? Yeah, go, yeah. Like animal. China. Um, China. What's your name? name? Roderick. Uh, this is Steve. All right, new animal guy, Steve. And see, for 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 like the girls, it's easy you call them like Destiny or like Galaxy, something like that. Like basically, give them like a porn star name. It's basically seemed to what seemed to be what happened. Um, give me my stripper name, Charlie. Chastity, then, John. Here's a Chastity. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Um. Uh, uh, okay, so they basically. But we get uh, we get that we basically called docs. Um. He calls it a cohesive family unit. The group of them all living together. Um, as we le- yeah, that's that's a call to come. As we learned Nuclear. from nuclear uh, family. Yeah, as we learned from Barbara Fisher, who again was his apprentice that left. Um, they worked for over twelve hours a day for a hundred dollars a week. So you basically have to stay there because you've got no money. Um. He always gives us another good doc quote in that uh, you're leading, you are leading me down a road to say you have to be in a cult to be a fucking tiger trader when questioned about his girlfriends. So they're hmm. basically like, basically the, the camera guy's like, this is a cult, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. I want to make it very clear. This is not a cult. Like, okay. He's gotten this before. Yeah. Clearly he's dealt with the cult talk before and not his first time around the tree. Um, Joe Exotic leads right off with 
Doc has his little cult, and I have mine. When they're talking about <laughs> so it's like, okay, he says it how it is. Everybody knows this is a cult. But um, out of the two, like, maybe Doc is better at branding, considering he's not the one in jail, yet doing most true. of the same stuff. That's, he's that's, not in jail yet. That's true. Yeah. Um, his, his, his... Uh, zoo does get raided, and like the in the, like, the rolling crutch, they get like the where are they now part. His zoo did get raided by the FBI or animal, whatever that organization is. Um, PETA. No, it it was like the the government. <laughs> it was that government. Yeah, the wildlife preserve. It's like the FBI just for animals. But I forget what it was called though. <clears throat> um, but Joe's zoo, very poor living at his zoo. Um, the. The workers eat via the expired meat truck. They take their picks first, and then it goes to the uh, to the animals. Thoughts? Let's, just, let's, get some, let's get some thoughts on that real quick. That was the wild scene. Them dumping out the meat with all the meat juice, and then going through that and being like, "Oh, this looks like something I'd like to eat." Yeah. So Joe tried to spin it as it's called like the expired meat truck. But he tried to spin it as it's like the stuff they have to throw out, and he said that they throw out anything that leaves the, sh- the cold area. They throw out, and that's what they're getting. So that's really expired. It just left the cold. I don't know if that's true or not. But that's how he tried to spin it. But I have to imagine like the one they like, like, like what's the good picks? Like the steak with the chicken juice on it. Or is it like the frozen something that's it. frozen? Like, like what what could possibly be a good pick out of the meat truck? Uh, I, I feel like it. It's just got to be anything where like the past due date hasn't hit yet. Like, yeah, that's all you got to be looking for. Yeah, that's probably it's probably a good point. Like anything that's that's not hot, that's still like remotely cold or frozen, and hasn't expired yet technically. No, I also I want to point out one thing that I couldn't really reconcile when I was watching it. So when Doc's driving them through their compound, uh, he's pointing out, he's like, yeah, that's my girl, like, China's house over there. And it's, like, a very large, very nice-looking house. Like, that's Moksha's house over that way. Yeah. But then they flash to Barbara, who's the girl who is now not a part of the zoo anymore. And she's like, yeah, no, like, we used to, like, sleep in, like, glorified horse pens. And every time I would go to, like, make a sandwich, there would just be, like, a shitload of cockroaches would, like, erupt out of the bag when i touched it like i don't understand how those two things line up has he made more money now and like no, built so up? i think it's probably a combination of that and i think it's probably a tiered system mm. like once you've been there for a long time maybe you move up into like the nicer or, houses. or likely once you've been sleeping with him for long enough you probably he like ups you uh into a real house that's what I think. Yeah, I think that's kind of what what the deal is. Yeah, that's uh, that's fucked, as the kids say. Well, the whole thing, the whole thing is just is out of control. Um, Carol's we we the, the, the in depth thing into uh, Big Cat Rescue Carol's Zoo or Reserve. I guess she calls it a sanctuary. I think she claims the sanctuary. Um, she has hundreds of full time volunteers. They're they're not paid. For what they do, how are you a full time volunteer? Like, what is your what is your living situation at that point? Like, I uh, you got to be the one not making the money in the family. Like, you got to have yeah. a husband or wife that has a job. I feel like 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it seems like, I would say all the volunteers they showed seemed to be like fairly normal, like people. Like there was no, like, there didn't seem to be any whack job volunteers. So maybe it's probably the case that they're just like married and they're just like the non income, they're not, they're just not the non income person of the family. Yeah, that's what I would feel like. Because they reveal at that point that like you need to be there for like, it's something like five years before you're actually like you know like in her like, before she knows who you are. Before you're like a yeah, before, you're like, before you like work with the tigers, you're there for like five years. That yeah. was a rude comment, but I feel like I mean I appreciated that she was upfront. Like, I, there's too many fucking people here. I can't remember you before five years. Well, the, the question they asked her was, "Do you work closely with the interns?" She's basically like, "No." Like, there's a ton. Like, I'm not like that's that's I think pretty realistic amongst a lot of just normal interns. Like, their direct boss is whoever they report to, and maybe the few people around them like know who they are. But like most of the office or most of like the head the higher ups like don't know what an intern's name is or anything like that, or don't care to. Yeah, exactly. Um. Uh, she condemns all the other zoos because they're breeders. Um, she made the claim that like Doc, she heard that Doc euthanizes tigers when he's done with them when they're no longer valuable. Because they kept talking about like when, when a tiger cub is born, it has like six months. You can get really all the you can get like ninety percent of the value out of that through like pettings and like shows and things. And after that, they basically don't make any more money. They're just like, in the zoo. So. She claims that he euthanizes them when they're done, when he's done with them. Yeah. Um, and she has the big hair, hey, their like, big social media. They can talk about her social media following. Like they brought it up like a dozen times throughout the course of the series, like her followers on social media. Um, and so that's how she sort of communicates and gets them to do stuff. She just like puts social media messages out there and does it that well, way. It seems to be her superpower. Yeah. Like, like that's if, if not for that, she probably would not be doing well, but She's kind of burying both of them underneath this overwhelming wave of social media support. It's her, it's the Bernie Bros. She has her own Bernie Bros. <laughs> she does, essentially. She's for sure the older parent on social media on Facebook that shares those memes. The minion memes? The what memes? The memes. Oh, yeah. The memes. The many, um, many, many memes. <laughs> And then last but not least, we get a brief introduction to Mario um, to Brow, who is just former drug kingpin. He's they said he's the guy that like, inspired Scarface. Yeah. Um he did twelve years for being a drug lord. Um his zoo is not open to the public, it's just a private like zoo um thing. Yeah, for him. And they, they were talking to his, like, I don't know if it was, like, the guy that his, like, zookeeper. They would, they would, like, cut open snakes and shove them full of bags of drugs and then, like, tie them, like, oh, stitch them back up. And they didn't care if the snakes died. They were just using them to, like, smuggle drugs different places. I mean, that's, it's kind of, like, based on what they said, they were, like, essentially, like, it, you got less of a fine if you got caught smuggling exotic animals than drugs. So they just tried to do it at the same time. Yeah. Not mean. If you, wait, when you're a drug kingpin, all, all bets are off. Like there's nothing. Nothing is is off the table yeah. there. Morality is not something you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, and then 
at the very end of the episode is when they're interviewing his zookeeper, who just casually drops the Carol might have fed her husband a tiger's rumor, like during the interview. I think it was something along the lines of like that Carol Baskin, like she's really wanted to talk about being a good person since her husband disappeared. And the producer or the, the interviewer is like, wait, hold on. What? Excuse me? Yeah. How's he just disappear? And he's like, oh yeah, her husband just went missing like years ago. And they're like, this is now a whole different element than this. The people that signed up to do this documentary, like they were just in for a ride the whole time. Yeah, they, there's no way they knew what they were getting into. Well, it's also, yeah. I, I, at the very beginning, they kind of make it seem like he, like, this filmmaker started making this, like, four years before they actually finished it. And it was just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing about Joe. And then they just kept digging deeper and finding more yeah. shit. Like, it just spiraled. Like, Which incredible. is so convenient that this whole thing was able to culminate and be released during coronavirus. Like, that's just yeah. a blessing. People forget. Yeah, I mean, this, this is one of those things, like, I started to think, like, in the last sort of year, Netflix had the, that, um like, abducted in plain sight thing, that, like, the big documentary that got, like, or the, the little thing that got some, some hype. Like the Aaron Hernandez stuff has gotten hype and stuff, but like nothing. On, yeah, the Ted Bundy tapes. Nothing has gotten this level of like notoriety. And I think it's probably like Meg's right that it was just like having to be released. It had the content to be like, like to go this big, but also it was just released at the perfect time where everyone's yeah, just watching. Every, no one has an excuse not to watch it. Yeah, Halloween's gonna be filled with. All these characters. I didn't even think about that yet. This is definitely going to be the big Halloween thing. Just various Tiger Carol, King characters. Just classic Goblin. Carol, the amount of mullets that are going to be brought out. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. dress up like Jeff Lowe. I'm going to buy a like flat brim hat and like a leather biker jacket and a black bandana. Black bandana. And a black bandana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be looking good. You got to get Brian then to be your. Um, the minion, whoever that guy is, that Alan Glover, the because also that's also a good point. Brian would also pussy out of being a hitman for hire, <laughs> yeah. So appropriate, yeah. I love, uh, you know, actually, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, yeah. yeah. Uh, episode three, so there's episode two, episode three, it's called The Secret, which we're like, there we go, it's all about the Carol and Don Lewis, um, sort of saga. They lead off with like the the whole story about how like they were both separately gotten arguments with their first um, spouses, and Don was driving around and oh, told Carol to think, get. I think I think Don got in maybe a slight argument, but I think he was notorious for cheating. Okay, I think that's probably what it was. I think he was probably like caught or something like that. He just left, and then he he found Carol and like hey come talk to me in my car. And she's like, no, which honestly, good, good job out of Carol to just be like, no, I'm not going to get in your car with you. Yeah. And then for, for the moment, good job for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well then, and then he's like, all right, here, here's the thing. I'll give you this gun to hold on me so I can talk to you and you can be sure that you're safe. 
I think that, any normal person, I think even more so now, is like, no, not going to definitely get in the car now because you've also got a gun. Well, that's the thing, though. But here's the th- at this point now, a man with a gun has told you to get into his car. <laughs> it's also so that you're kind of like, fuck, I got to get in a car. Like, at least then he'll give me the gun. Yeah, it's true. Then at least I have the gun. Maybe that's what she thought because, yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad. It's not a bad take I mean, out of John. It's a good take what, out of John. Knowing what we know What's now, though. Knowing what we know now, that guy was the one that was letting a murderer into his car. She yeah, was the point. one that was fully aware and capable. He made a mistake. Little did he know what it would turn up to. So there's there's also a, a factor of like there's not a lot of apologizing for Carol within this documentary. But finding out some of the stuff about her, like, childhood and some of the real fucked up stuff that happened to her, like, okay. Like, all of a sudden, you start to paint a picture of, like, all right, she, it's not like she just was this insane person from the jump. She had some things happen to her. The, right? hold on, the, the weird thing for her was, like, she's like, I was 15, my brother was 9. We had no relationship growing up. It's <laughs> not that big of a gap. Like, that's that a gap, not that That's the gap between me and Sam. Like. No, yeah, that's, like, I mean, that's. That's got to be smaller than the gap between you and Johnny, right, Meg? Oh, yeah. We're, like, 12 years. Yeah, like, that's nothing. But she, but she, she just blew off, like, my brother. Yeah, I didn't really have a relationship with him. I was 15. He was 9. Like, we were just like, years apart. And it's like, <laughs> what? Two different worlds, man. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, I guess. Like, she, she's like, I guess we'll go with that. Um, so Don and Carol get married. Don just... Told his wife he no longer loved her. Just left his family behind. Said Carol was his angel. Unreal. Um, his wife though had an all-time great line with, or I guess his ex-wife with that angel was sent straight from hell, and you're gonna learn <laughs> about it pretty soon. It's like an all-time line. <laughs> that one aged well. Yeah, it, it really did age well. Um, they started Wildlife on East Street. They had different ease, but no, it was east. I, no, I think it was east, but it might have been easy. I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm going to say east, but East Street makes no sense. Where were they again? In Florida? It was in Florida. The P and the Y are right next to each other on a keyboard, so I feel like that was a typo. Okay, well, if 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 you found that somewhere, I think that was a typo. All right, regardless, um, they had different ideas about what they wanted. Carol had a more conservationist mentality. From the beginning, I guess. And Don wanted to just breed him and sell him. And Carol did drop that line that Don would just go to Costa Rica for like months out of the year. And when he was gone, she'd have as many cats spayed and neutered as she possibly could. (laughs) Which I guess probably led to some of their disagreements early on. It's it's definitely not, not correlated. But I love how they were like, Don, you should just go to Costa Rica because there's no laws there. So he could just do whatever he wanted. And I was like, oh, that's just a totally normal guy. Also, he's like 20 years older than Carol. That was a little side note that we didn't mention. He's like a multi-millionaire. Yeah. I mean, within being a multi-billionaire, maybe it's not for us normal people crazy to go to Costa Rica or another country. But maybe, I mean... That wouldn't be too crazy if you have all that money. Well, they also dropped that he has like multiple girlfriends in Costa Rica. Probably. Yeah, he's just he's just multiple attractions. Swinging. 
he's getting uh he seemed to have a real Tiger Woods mentality where he was just he was just hitting anything that moved. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Out of all the celebrities you gotta bring in one with Tiger in the name. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, a little subconscious I, there. I'm operating on level eleven right now, guys. <laughs> Chuck's playing four D chess. Yeah. Um all right. So they said that uh Don went missing after a couple of very key legal things that occurred. He filed a restraining order against Carol, said she wants he said that she said she was gonna kill him. It didn't hold up, apparently according to the judge. He wanted to divorce her, and right before he disappeared, he made Carol his power of attorney, and in the document it said upon my death or disappearance, she has these abilities. So Right away, just very, very odd. Um, and in my notes, or like when I was looking that up, they said the lawyer disputes that it said upon my disappearance. Apparently, the lawyer's office like got broken into by Carol, and then she came up with these documents. And the lawyer's like, in my 30 years of being a lawyer, I would have remembered that would be very odd to put upon my disappearance. Yeah, it was clearly, there was clearly some funny business going on for a lot of different reasons. But, oh, but also Carol said she added this because he had been loaning money to questionable people. So she had an answer ready to go. Hey, she, she's nothing if not thorough. I'll tell you that. Um, but there was rumors of like a plane crash. Jokes would claim that like he put her through the meat grinder and fed her to the tigers, or like she uh, she buried him underneath the septic um, tank. And Carol was like, he wouldn't fit in that meat grinder. Like, there's no way. Like, she was also ready for that. Yeah. Oh, she was like, no, there's no way. I couldn't have gotten his hand through it. There's no way. Yeah. So I um, have a little bit of a timeline that I wrote down from the night of, because I like the crime part of this. Yeah. So apparently on the night of the disappearance, well, more so it goes into the morning. Carol left the house around 3 a.m. to go get milk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They did, they goes, did mention that. And she picks up the milk and her brother, who's like works for the sheriff or was uh, is a police officer, like she ran into him casually. And then him and his buddy escorted her back to her house. So she gets back to her house. And then she says how after that she saw um, her husband at the time, like a couple hours later. So then he drives like. You imagine he drove to where his plane was, and that's where he parked the car, which the police found. And then he's gone, disappeared. So, um, one thing, Meg, what was she picking up from the store? Milk. There's an E now in in that word. Okay, yeah, you've never. I called right for that one. Uh, uh, this, uh, this is, yeah, that's fine. Uh, with, but there's all those rumors. Have the time to go through everything that Meg says wrong yeah. now, but just for those of you who aren't aware, the list is long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was there was all her. Yeah, I forgot her brother like pulled her over. It was like all this stuff, and she's like, "Oh yeah, whatever." I'm just out at three in the morning getting milk. Um, <laughs> and then Joe Exotic at the very end of the episode drops that bit of knowledge on us that tigers' stomachs are so acidic 
that if they ate somebody, there'd be nothing left, like, in their poop that you could, like, discern a human body out of. So, he really is painting the Carol definitely fed her husband the tigers, like, image on that. And then I saw that she never held a memorial for her husband, but five years after he disappeared in one day, which is the earliest she could have done this, she declared him dead. So oh, she that's, could yeah, collect that, all the assets. There was yeah, there was the legal uh, ease of like you gotta be gone for five years to get like the for the power of attorney and all the the will and stuff to kick in. Um yeah, she was I mean she was clearly waiting for it. She also just talks about him disappearing, like pretty regularly. Like you'd think there'd be a little bit of emotion. In there, if your yeah, husband, no who, emotion who, at all. Who you apparently loved so much, you convinced him to leave his family. Um, she doesn't even care that he's like gone. No, she was very like just sort of like joking about it, like just sort of like ah, oh, you know, it's whatever. It's crazy that he's gone. Like it's wild. Like, like, of course, I didn't do anything. I couldn't have done anything. Like okay, okay, but flower. A more, flower a more realistic thing is that she has no emotion to it. So I say. Either she killed him or she knows who he was interacting with that it's not surprising that he got killed. And she doesn't list um, the guy's name because it's assuming like a drug pen, like a kingpin or like someone that could then kill her. Yeah. So maybe oh. she's like saving herself by not saying it. But like from a police perspective. They should have asked her more questions. She definitely knew, knows something. Well, they said afterwards, like, the police just totally half-assed that investigation. Like, they didn't really, like, pursue witnesses that aggressively. or They really didn't do a lot of the normal, like, homicide work that homicide detectives tend to do. It is uh, Florida. They're probably busy, but... Yeah, that's true. This isn't the weirdest thing they've gotten. Yeah, yeah. that's probably a good point. Um, all right, that's episode three. Episode four. This is, these these episode four, five, six, and seven are more of a rapid fire thing. Um, episode four, playing with fire again. Another great title. Um, Joe is really starting to ramp up his efforts to become a reality and TV star. Um, he gets into that big legal battle with Carol because he started Big Cat Entertainment. It had it like headquartered in Florida with a Florida address to try to confuse like Carol's followers about which company was which and who's doing what. Yeah, the exact they, same logo. And they sued him for copyright. Um, yeah, it's basically the same logo. Uh, we learned that Rick Kirkham loses uh, his all his footage in a mysterious fire that seemed to be arson. And we have that clip of Joe with me with his attorney being like, oh, I'm going to have it all in the warehouse. It's not backed up. And he's like, yep. He's like, Joe, do you see what I'm saying here? He's like, yep, I got it. That was the end of the meeting. And then all of a sudden the shed burns down. <laughs> I would say, I don't know, hot take, but modern burning of the library of Alexandria. <laughs> and I, love, I, do, I do love how they were like, yeah, Rick Definitely did this. He's like, are you kidding me? That's my retirement. Like, was in <laughs> yeah. there. Um, what a bet to make, by the way. I'm betting my, like, retirement on this reality TV show taking off. Oh, I'll get into him later. But I think I think he had pocket aces. Like, I think he was, I think yeah. he had the perfect hand. 
with with the, with this bet. Um, but he, he said like he sat down like on the ground and cried when that happened, and I was like, I believe it. Like, oh yeah. Sounds about and, right. And it, it was definitely arson because they were like, it burned so hot that like it just basically destroyed like everything in there. There, there was nothing like. And then they showed the picture. It basically just like, an empty warehouse now. It boiled. Oh, yeah. those, and it boiled those alligators alive. Yeah, kind. Of, that yeah. was kind of sad. It's, Here's the thing. It's also. Mm-hmm. But you think they're like, oh man, these poor alligators got boiled alive, and then I was like, wow. We do that when we eat crabs and lobsters on a regular basis, and nobody cares. <laughs> it's true. No, so I feel, I think, much more confident. I'm more confident that he burned the shed down than I am that Carol fed her husband to tigers, which is saying something, because I'm pretty sure Carol fed her husband to tigers. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's pretty clear that Joe or one of the people trying to protect him burnt down that shed. Yeah, I yeah. guess it might have just been done on his orders. Yeah. Because I think before the shed burned down, he found out, to not his knowledge, that um, Rick Kirkman owned the footage. I think he thought that he had an ownership in it. Yeah, yeah, right? it was true. There, there was a big, there was a big fallout over like the the contract and what he was allowed to film and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely gave him a motive. But also, it was that it was the meeting with the lawyer where he's like, he owns all the footage. They already took it all. Like it's not backed up. And the lawyer's like, the lawyer basically said, "Burn down the shed it's in, like, and you'll be okay." Yeah. Like, this is something you should consider doing. <laughs> and then at the end of episode four, you have enter Jeff Lowe, the angel investor that's going to save GW Zoo from bankruptcy and after all, from all the legal like troubles and copyright things i would say though this is the one episode where i was like howard baskin is just not the worst guy he's just in way too deep now when he was like negotiating the payments from the lawsuit with joe and joe was like i don't make any money in the winter can i like pay more in the summer and less in the winter and Howard was like totally like a normal person. They're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, let me help you out. Like, it was clear Howard Baskin just weighing over his head in terms of like he's in too deep. Yeah. No, he was getting dragged through this all by Carol very yeah. clearly. And uh, I don't know. God but bless him because he, he crosses her. He, he, we all know where he's going. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Episode five, which was at the best episode, make America exotic again. <laughs> we get all, all Joe really dives into politics. Like I know, I think was, I remember that John Oliver uh, clip talking about the yeah. party candidates with Joe Exotic. I, I remember that. Oh, um, you remember that, it live? Yeah, like, I remember remember watching it like That's on last funny. week tonight. Yeah, like I was like, I, I was like oh yeah. I will say in the beginning. Like I thought that I recognized Joe Exotic from somewhere. I didn't think it was like from the political campaign, but then I was like, and then I played the clip, and I was like, "That's where he's from." Like, yeah, I was like, "Holy shit!" I remember that episode, and I remember being like, "Wow, that dude's crazy." Yeah. <laughs> and then the election progressed a little bit more, and you were like, "Ah, wait, was he that bad?" Yeah, <laughs> I was distracted from him. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also in episode five, we have the whole story about uh, Travis shooting himself. Yeah. 
I, that I, was th- nuts. I think it was by accident. Um, no, it did not seem like it. Well, no. I so, disagree. Well, here's the thing, because the, they interviewed Josh Dial, because it was yeah. in his office that um, Travis yeah. shot himself. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, he was saying that, like, Travis did all the time, like, freeze, motherfucker, and, like, hold guns at people. And he's like, dude, stop pointing the loaded gun at me. And he said, this is like a Luger, whatever gun he called it, I forgot. It's like, it, does, it needs a clip in it to fire and like look at, and I can totally see like they've painted Travis as sort of like a like wild card like him being like look I won't even fire and like pointing the gun at himself and pulling the trigger to show like that it won't fire and it going off anyway and dying like, I, 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 to me it looks like it was an accident that he didn't like actually kill himself I say that specific moment could have been an accident but I don't think he was exactly um like his, I think he didn't value his life. Yeah, he was fucked up quite a lot. He's basically just using. I mean, they weren't. He was not like gay. He was just like basically needed Joe to give him like meth and like somewhere they, to live. They, they say he's not gay, but I'm like, I mean, he's bi. Like, I, I don't know. I thought that was Wait, weird. I, I guess it's the thing is that they don't really go into a ton like what their relationships worth between like Travis Joe and John Finley. Like, I don't think just like lived and like had to kiss him every once in a while. They were like having sex on the regular. Like, I don't know exactly what was going on. They didn't really go into that a ton. I had seen things where they, they did a lot. Okay. But- I mean, what I, I think maybe that, that more of that is like Joe was just like his master at that point because he was giving him all the drugs and he was going to do whatever it took to like get more meth. Yeah, which um, that I can see a yeah. drug addict doing whatever. But I mean, I do. I think I do think it's kind of funny when they like when Travis first showed up, they're going down to like <laughs> do something. It's like, do you watch porn? He's like, yeah. It's like, do you like watching a guy with a big dick or a small dick? And he's like. <laughs> Well, obviously a big one. He's like, well, then you're definitely not straight. And he's like, what? I go, okay. I get it. Worked. Yeah, it worked. worked. Yeah, that's an iconic line. Well, just, just, just an electric jump in logic there by Joe you, Exotic. You, John, and um, Sam need to put that one in the pocket for later. Yeah. We're going to find out exactly how straight the three of us are. Yeah. Yeah, the three single man men watching. Like, Watching the together, Meg. Yeah, we're this gonna see. Dream. Okay, and then skip that one. Or are you gonna listen in? <laughs> no, no, passing. And then, and then the last part of episode five was uh, the park sort of falls in a disarray as the dynamic changes with the new ownership in Jeff Lowe and uh, his right hand man, Alan Glover. And this is where, this is where I learned that Joe was going to be in some trouble when they said that he transferred the ownership of the park to Jeff. Yeah. And they said that Joe used to do this all the time to basically like increase the paper trail to make it more difficult to like be sued or do different things like to be well, just- I, I, yeah it's something like also i think they had to refile all the lawsuits when he changed the yeah. ownership so it, it was basically just, it was, yeah it was like to slow down but just like carol and the turns and stuff like that 
And what it seemed like is when he, when he did it to like John Finley or, or or his mom or whoever, like he was still like in charge. He just gives it to Jeff Lowe, and Jeff Lowe's like, "Okay, it's my zoo now. Like you 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 fu- you done fucked up now, Joe. Like now this is my zoo, um, which is clearly not what Joe intended. I don't think. Probably not. No, no, no. I think he thought that it was just going to be another in a long line of uh, sort of legal chess that he was playing, but it did yeah. not turn out that way. No. Uh, so that episode basically ends with that. Basically, they, everybody hates each each other. Everybody seems to hate Jeff, and Joe doesn't really know what's going down. Um, episode six called "The Noble Thing to Do." Um, James Garrett uh, Garrettson, big fat guy, makes the murder for. He was like the third partner. He owns like nightclubs and strip clubs and stuff. And he was like a big capital guy. He was like, going to be able to pay for repairs. And he, he was brought in as a third partner with Jeff and Joe. Um, he makes the murder for hire claim about Joe to the FBI about like Alan Glover being the um, the hitman. And basically, he claimed that the FBI was going to get him on having an illegal lemur. And that's why he became an FBI, like, informant. And it's pretty clear, they're like, no, James. Like, you were going to get hit with a lot more than just having a lemur illegally. An, an illegal lemur. Yeah, like, he's like, I had to. They had you with this lemur. And it's like, no, they probably had you on any number of other things. Probably a lot of racketeering shit. And, like, just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It, well, his whole store was definitely a front for something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Joe really gets desperate because he thinks that Jeff and James set him up. And then you get the Jeff interview where he's like, did I like lead him down a road to say stuff? Yep. Like, <laughs> did I, did I, did I, did I make him confess to stuff he didn't do? No, but I definitely made him admit to stuff that he like was doing. And it's like, this just admits like, yeah, I will keep set up Joe to get him like arrested. Oh yeah. This is when you really are fully aware that Jeff is like, oh, like this guy's like, he's not just like a casual con artist. Like this guy like legitimately is out for blood. Yeah. And then we also learn at some point that Jeff was like, had a rented mansion that he like showed Joe, like was behind his Ferrari payments. His big thing was like, he would like sneak tigers into like Vegas hotel rooms and go get like people from downtown. He'd be like, hey, want to pay me a grand to like come see this tiger? And then he just had sex with them too. It was like it was a whole, it was a whole thing. He really wasn't a good dude. He was the big orgy guy. No, Doc Antle. Not no. one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jeff might be an orgy guy. Doc Antle is the orgy guy. He, the nature of the Jeff name means great. multiple. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. Um, and then finally, we get episode seven, which is called Dethroned, and we learn that Joe. Gets sentenced to 79 years on a number of charges from the copyrights to the animal rights, all the different things. Um, he says this is far from over. Uh, we we meet oh, yeah. we meet Joe's actual husband, like that's actually his new one. That's gay. Actually, seems to be gay. Um, seems like a nice guy too. Seems like a guy that does not know what he's getting himself into. That's what I. That's what I saw. Like. See the nice guy has no idea the can of worms he is about to open up with this with this man. Um, 
let's see, Jeff's new zoo sort of business prospects crumble. He was starting, he was building that new zoo with, uh, what's his face, Tim Stark. Yeah, and that's, they, the other guy. Yeah, they hate each other now because basically Tim's doing all the work and Jeff's just like being Jeff. Um, <laughs> to basically go through like, what, what everybody at GW is like trying to do to move on, like what, what, are, they, what are they doing now? Like they talk about John Renke, like divorced his wife, who's just living like by himself now on like a trailer, doing that stuff. And then we get the iconic James Garrettson riding the jet ski <laughs> with, with with Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. <laughs> he basically gets off and it's like, I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna be done stitching. Like I'm but I might say more. Like I've got way more stuff that I can say. Like I'm not done yet. I'm James Garrettson. So that's Basically, where it ends, and basically everybody's like, everybody basically claims that they've got more to tell. Like that, this story is not over yet from everybody's perspective. And apparently, according to Jeff Lowe, we're getting a bonus episode of Tiger King next week, like an eighth episode. Yeah. Only thing I have to look forward to right now. Yeah, there's really nothing else going on. That's really the recap of of the episode. I think we we did a pretty good job of covering. Um, all the people. Now I have a, a few categories planned. I have, yeah, um, best character, like the favorite character, the least favorite or worst character, the least bad character, or like the most non scumbag character. If that's kind of what that means, um, the most in over their head, and the biggest what the fuck, um, moment. So starting with um. Best character or favorite character, John? Who do you have? Uh, best character. So, so we're saying best is in like, like your favorite character. I, yeah, favorite character. This is like who is the the character that's the least like ridiculous, right? No, that that's later. Like, like who who's your favorite character? I mean, it's a boring answer, but it's Joe. Like, like the the shit that came out because the other two Joe. Uh, uh, Doc and Carol are both kind of like reserved. Like they seem to be aware that the things that they say can be used against them. Joe doesn't give a shit the entire time. Joe is firing from the hip from the very first moment of that first episode down to his last like line at the at season, or at uh, episode seven. So it's Joe. I agree. Meg, what do you got? So I I would put Joshua Dial just because. He okay. seemed like the one to represent just a normal person in the middle of, of all of this. Like, kind of like, what is going on? What, how did I get here? Okay, I'm going to run this political campaign and hopefully get this guy elected. Like, just rolling with the punches, but still remaining, like, normal throughout it. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he also had what I think was uh, one of my favorite uh, like interactions in the whole thing, where he says something like, uh, "What what political uh, party was he?" Or libertarian, ideology? probably. Yeah, yeah, he was a libertarian, and he was like essentially he was a libertarian who they hate the government. Faced with, uh, he had to snitch to the government to avoid prison time, <laughs> and just immediately abandoned all of his ideals. Like, yeah. didn't, like not at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going with Doc Antle. Just okay. to me, just a character. Like I said, 
We talk about he clearly a big orgy guy, but also he's like one of those guys where he's clearly doing like things that are like crazy, but like doesn't like like don't even like won't even listen to the idea that they're crazy. Like he in his mind, everything he's doing is totally normal. Like and I, you got to respect a crazy person like that. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Hef, the Playboy guy. Hugh Hefner. Oh, yeah, Hugh Yeah, Hefner. like a similar, like, crazy life, but instead of, like, getting arrested or in trouble for it, TV cameras come in and start filming it, and it's mainstream and, like, deemed acceptable. He also, I, f- I need to look it up, because he, like, went to... A, I mean, also Doc was his doctorate was in a uh, mystical medicine or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accredited? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, my, also... my backup yeah. is Mario Tabrow, but he was not really featured enough to really get on like the list. But he's really the best character this entire thing. <laughs> well, they, for for they they do like thirty seconds on this guy with Scarface. Moving on, and they're like, hold on now, like, he could have had his whole own series about him. Each of they only had so much time. Yeah, it, it was really a shame. Okay, um, least favorite or like the worst character, Meg? Who do you have for this? Um, my least favorite character has to be Travis, just because he stressed me out so much. Because you could kind of like, even though you kind of, I think I had looked it up and like knew that he died or something. He just stressed me out, like with all the guns with, like, all the drugs that he was doing, and then, like, just being a part of this zoo. So normal at first, and then just completely downhill, and you could kind of see him crashing before he actually crashed and burned. Yeah, I also I also went with Travis, because, yeah, he's just, like, a total, like, just wild card that I don't, I don't care for people like that. Uh, so I went with Doc, uh, Purely because Doc was the only character, like, all of the people in this series were bad people, probably. Doc was the one that scared me. Because Doc yeah. was the one that seemed like he could get away with a lot of shit before he got caught. Oh, yeah, for he sure. kept everything so highbrow. So, yeah, no, Doc was, like, legitimately, like, like that was, like, kind of, you know, he had essentially a bunch of indentured, indentured servants indentured sex servants actually like working for it was it was scary hours in there uh i agree um all right the the least bad or like the most normal non-scumbag character um john what do you have for this so i went with uh kelsey actually who was the uh the worker who had uh their arm ripped off mostly because you kind of read it that uh they were going back because they really wanted to like be on drugs and they couldn't be off of drugs for like three months or however long it was going to take. But they kind of painted it as like, and they painted her or whatever as like the whole time as like the one person that really seemed to care about the animals and that like, they just wanted to get the arm chopped off. Cause like it would just be out of the press at that point. And if it was this whole dragged out process, it would be worse for the zoo and therefore worse for the animals. So at that point, it was just like, just chop it off and let's let's just go back to work. That's a fair point. Um, Meg, what do you have? I actually put um, Saf as well, Kelsey. Okay. Um, Because, yeah, same, same reason. Like, during the interviews and stuff, Saf was pretty, like, 
normal about everything. Like, yeah, I got my arm ripped off. Like I'm working with tigers. It's kind of the name of the game. Even like when you're in a mainstream zoo, I think you kind of know that that might happen. Yeah. Um, and Saf just seemed like the most loyal and a non, um, non like hypnotized way. Like just genuinely loyal, whereas like the other ones were definitely under Joe's charm. Yeah. So yeah. So I went with John Renke um, for this Mm -hmm. for similar reason. Like he was definitely like uh, doing drugs or was was like got was in a bad spot. Like that's why he was there. But he seemed like I said to, to care a lot, but actually like helping the animals and like. We said he was showing up with concern with like things that were going on and like helping people. So he seemed to have the most like with Saf the most like noble intentions or like was that noble, the one like, without the legs? Yeah, that was that was no leg guy. Yeah, that yeah. that he, makes sense. Well, I think I forget if it was it was one of those two actually that had the quote towards the end of like. I don't know how many millions of dollars have been spent in this legal feud and like not a single animal was helped. I think, it was, it. I think that was John Renke. Uh, like, so, yeah, that yeah. was like a very good, like putting things in perspective moment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he, he seemed to have with Saf some of the more like that, but like, genuine intentions to like help and just be a part of the animals lives. And Saf even said though, she said, um, I have no problem without a hand because I work with a guy that has no legs, and so they they sort of they're sort of like a, a dynamic duo with that. They're bonded. Yeah. Okay. And complete each other. Yeah. All right. Most in over their head, Meg. This is a slam dunk. I mean, I well now I'm nervous since Sean said it's a slam dunk. <laughs> I went with okay. Joe Exotic. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. The definitely not a slam dunk. <laughs> Um, I went with Joe most over his head just like with everything like when he started um, making the tigers breed so much and there was just so many tigers everywhere and like those in the baby carriage and everything that stressed me out and I was like this dude does not know what's what's happening well, it was clear. I think Doc was like, "It takes us we it, like ten thousand dollars a month or whatever to feed a tiger." Yeah, and those like, tigers were very interesting. And Joe's like, "We feed our tigers for two thousand dollars a month," and I'm like, "Well, clearly somebody is is wrong here." Like, <laughs> see, like Joe just had no idea how much this was going to cost. Yeah, and yeah, how many fucking tigers he could handle at yeah. a time. Um, John, what do you got for most in over their head? So I think it's got it's got to be Howard, Carol. Okay, Sullivan, that's a good one. Who, who essentially? I mean, and we don't really know a lot of his backstory outside of like his marriage with Carol. But it seems like he married he, this woman. He's an attorney. We know that, so he's like able to do a lot of the legal stuff. Like that's why he's like an very, asset. Yeah, and a very wealthy attorney at that. That, like, he essentially, he married this woman, and he sort of got dragged into her passion, and kind of picked it up too, and then, as a result, was spending, like, blowing through millions of dollars of his own money, and spending a considerable portion of his time fighting these legal battles on her behalf, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, 
you know, I don't know what that relationship looks like, but there's no way that that's a fair trade-off. There's no way there's a good balance of power there. There's that. But to, so two things. So apparently a lot of the money they get. So when Don Lewis was declared dead, Carol inherited a lot of his like real estate empire. So a lot of their income is from that. It's some of their own money, but a lot of it is from that. Um, but then also their wedding photos of him with like the leash on. It's like, okay, this guy clearly isn't over his head with this woman. Yeah. The interviews, though, were really interesting because when they would interview side by side, if you remember those, like, he would do all the talking and she's kind of just like, just visually sitting passively beside him. Whereas, like, behind the scenes, you know that he's chained to the ground at her yeah. command. Yeah. It, I think I think it was clear that he was the one that had the grips on, like, the actual, like, legal side of all their stuff. And so, like, he was more like the vocal front. But, yeah, it's clear she is pulling the strings from behind the scenes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, for this, I'm going with Josh Dial, the campaign manager. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's that's fair. Like, like, like he was like I, the thing is, I don't know if he thought they could win any of these elections. Like, like it seemed that the governor like raised. They thought they could win, like the governorship of Oklahoma. They got, they got like nineteen twenty percent. I know, yeah. like blink at. But the thing is, Josh was like, anytime that I got Joe in front of a crowd, we had their votes. Like, we, we, he'd adopted my campaign. We were rolling. I was like, dude, like, what, what did you think this guy was? Like, an actual politician? Like, <laughs> it, it was clear that Josh Dial was in it to, like, win and be a campaign manager and was just not at all ready for the onslaught that he was walking into. Yeah. I mean, it's Joe, like, where did he pick him up from? Like a Walmart? Yeah, he was like a Walmart cashier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he worked in the gun section. Oh, yeah, the gun section of Walmart. And he he would sell Joe uh, bullets and Tannerite. Like every day. Which apparently... Tannerite just explodes, just easy to buy. It just explodes when you shoot it with something. Yep, <laughs> loves that. Love to see it. Yeah, um, USA. Yeah. USA. And then, last but not least, we have biggest <laughs> what the fuck moment. Um, John, what do you have for this? Uh, for me, it's got to be Travis shooting himself, and specifically, it's just the fact that like, I, so the whole time you go through it you're pretty sure by that point that Travis is going to die here. But you're also just based on what you know about the situation. It seems like it's probably going to be like an overdose because he's just constantly drugged out. And then to see him essentially just like walk into that room and then be able to watch the reaction of the other people in the room as he puts a gun to his forehead and pulls the trigger is, was nuts. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. That's, that's to fair that they basically have, they have like ninety percent of it on video. They just don't have him actually shooting himself. They have like him walking in, all the antics, like the reactions. Like they have it all on video. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what you get when you sit, like are filming a reality TV show. You catch like insane stuff like that. Which I mean, but again, just the left turn from where I thought that was going to where it actually went was pretty incredible. You couldn't even uh, script that. No, you you no. couldn't. Uh, Meg, what do you have? Um, so I have a genuine one and then more of a off-the-cuff one. So the genuine, okay. like, 
um, one was when Saf lost um, their arm. And, like, that was on video and everything. Like, that was so crazy. How about that? Not only that, but when they're like, by the way, Saf lost their arm. And then for the rest of the documentary, they zoom out. So you can see yeah. that they, they no longer yeah, give a the before, before that, you didn't know. You could just, like, saw from, like, I guess, like, the chest up. And then they zoom out. It's like the whole chair thing. And you can see that they lost their arm. Yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty crazy. And then, like how it was just in the zoo in like broad daylight and everything yeah people so yeah that was my mainstream like i was literally shocked when i saw that one that i was shocked at but shouldn't have been was when joe was running for either governor or president and had political condoms um okay. <laughs> and so some of the like quotes or taglines on them was for your protection vote joe exotic and then another another one was, vote for me or you'll need this because you're getting screwed, <laughs> which, yeah. which is great. So then I went a little bit farther and I um, did ones like if Donald Trump um, was handing oh. out condoms, because I tried to think of like for Joe Biden or Bernie, but it just like unless you have Bernie with the accent the like handing them out it's just he's not as quotable yeah, so for I would Don- love to hear your bernie <laughs> this is an audio podcast but i didn't write any down for him him so for donald i think it would be on the branding like um huge like you know that <laughs> but like the sort of taglines he could go with would be one make america safe again okay um okay and then, or, or, or keep America safe, which is what he's going with now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, both of those would work. And then the other one that I um, that kind of works is um, quote the only wall you'll want at night. Huh. Okay. <laughs> or 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 okay. this or the other wall you want at night. Yeah. So <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. You still want the other one, but yeah. So picture oh, yeah. this: I'm at a park um, today, this afternoon. Beautiful day in Grand Rapids. Um, lots of like super blue sky. Like everybody's out and about, despite it being quarantine. We're all six feet apart generally. Um, so all these kiddos and stuff around and I'm writing down in my notebook, like, okay, what, what quote do I put for <laughs> Donald Trump in this aspect? Perfect. Uh, at least you didn't read it out loud. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Those are good. Thanks. Um, all right. And then for mine, I have a kind of two as well. I have the five-minute stretch where they're like, Mario Trabao is Scarface, and Carol might have fed her husband to Tigers. That that whole like sequence there. And that and when they're like, by the way, John Finley and Travis, not gay. And I was like, well, <laughs> on, what? That's fair, yeah. Because well, John, uh, with John, yeah. I believed it. With Travis, like, I think from the beginning they introduced him, like, oh, yeah, he's not gay. And then Joe asked him that question, and then they were like, oh, okay, maybe he is. But, yeah. yeah. When they're like, yeah, both of them, not gay. I was like, wait, wait, wait. 
Yeah. Well, well, hold on. Back, back up. Not only not gay, but John Finley had gotten another employee at the park who was a woman pregnant. Yeah. 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 How about two things? John Finley getting like the property of Joe Exotic tattoo by his crotch. There was that. <laughs> and also the fact that John Finley did his entire interview without a shirt on. Like, just was in that cabin with no shirt on. Listen, Charlie, when you get nipple piercings, you want to show them off to the world. And there's only so many ways that you can do that. And this was his stage to really show everyone that, hey, I'm a man with nipple piercings. Fair. Yeah. That's just uh, the, Charlie no, just simple psychology. I don't, I don't disagree. John kind of deals in the wild side since that tattoo that's true i I have a brand bag so charlie does have a brand (laughs) i forget you're a part of that charlie not the only one with a brand meg you forget this is true it's fading um how do you know (laughs) Uh, Um, okay next segment That's that's all i have actually for segments moving along moving along um Meg, I know you wanted to give your top 10 movies of t- the 2010s. If you want to run through those quick before we uh, sign off here. Uh, okay, I can do it. Let me pull it up. It's in my notes. All right. I mean, I feel like uh, while we have you here and we're an hour and a half in, this is my feelings at this point are that this is a long podcast. We might as well just take 10 minutes and make it longer. Get something else in. We, we might as well just bring some sand to the beach while we're at it. Exactly. Okay, so my top 10 movies of the 2010s, I separated it into two categories. Movies I could watch like over and over again, and then movies that made me cry at the time that I watched them and like probably could now. Um, Because like when I was going through the 2010s, like back in the early 2010s, Twilight and Breaking Dawn and all of that would have been on my list. But I was like, do I put that on? No. Because it didn't last the, last the age. So Right. Aged poorly. Movies I could watch okay. uh, over and over. Number one, well, this is in no order. Um, Django. Okay. Avengers. Okay. Um, okay. American Sniper. 1917, which is kind of like recent, so that might be a little bias there, but it was really yeah. cinematically good. It was cool. Um, Bridesmaids, and then okay. 21 Jump Street. Yes, I agree. I like all those movies, Meg. Yeah, 21 yeah. Jump Street, very good. 22 Jump Street, also very good. So they did I, not miss the second time around. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are good. We'll we'll let you get through the rest of them. And then four movies that made me cry. Um, A Star is Born. Saw that one with Colin. We both cried during it. Very touching moment. Um, (laughs) And then apparently when I was watching A Star is Born, like when you're in a movie, we got the giant Coke and I had to go to the bathroom. So I figured out what would be a good time to go to the bathroom. I go and was gone for like very short amount of time, come back, and I had missed them getting married. Like of all the scenes. But it's a quick marriage. 
Yeah, it is a quick marriage. And I was like, how did that happen? Like when, but anyway, um, hey, next Dave one Chappelle shows up. You just, you, you do what you, you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, next one inside out that one, mm-hmm. uh, the cartoon movie. Okay. I yeah. wanted to make sure that was the one I was thinking of. That one made me cry at the scene where like they're at the bottom of the, um, like Canyon and they have to shoot up out of it, and like the childhood friend, like imaginary friend, like helps them, and then falls back that, down. That movie I've never actually seen. You should watch it. It's a tearjerker. Um, yeah, I'll bring my tissues. Next one, also a cartoon movie, Toy Story Three. Mm. I thought they were gonna die. I'm not gonna lie. I yeah. thought they were gonna die. That's why I, I was almost, and that was back in 2010, and I think I saw that with my um, my grandparents, if I remember correctly, when we were like in Florida, and yeah, definitely made me cry. And then I was shocked that they like made it, but now I'm kind of mad that they're making a toy. They made a Toy Story four because that was such a good like ending, you know. I would say Toy Story four was not bad. I did watch it recently. I haven't seen it because I've been protesting, but I'm sure it is good. I'm sure Disney feels the uh, the pinch that you've been putting on them. Okay, and then last one, La La Land. That one made me cry. Yeah, I I didn't see La. I never saw La La Land. That came out at a vulnerable time in my life, so that might have been why summer of 2016. Um, <laughs> but the peak Savage Meg times. No, pr- prior to that era, right, right at the end yeah, of my right past relationship. Yeah. Um, wow. And then a couple of honorable mentions: uh, Tangled, the Rapunzel movie, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games, that's not a classic, but I like that one. Uh, Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, I like that one. Um, Thor Ragnarok, that one's hilarious. Great movie. Um, and then Knives Out. I recently wow. saw that with Colin. That was really good. Yeah, Knives Out was great. I haven't seen I, I haven't seen Knives Out yet either. You should see it. It's a nice like um like comedy with like crime and like detective stuff. Okay. Oh yeah. That's it's a funny movie that has a very interesting plot to it. Perfect. Like it keeps you going. But Meg, I, I like that top ten. Even though it's not in any particular order, it was still I liked. I agree uh, very much with I guess all the movies that I have seen. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, unless anybody has anything else, uh, Meg, we'd like to thank you for coming on and um, you know walking through. Uh, a for giving us a segment idea that was big. That's huge. So thank you for that. First of all, something to distract the people from Corona. I don't think we mentioned exactly. it really any time during this podcast. And before before you sign off, John, if you if you've listened to this point, text me the word tiger. That one that one's a lot more on the nose. No, text him the phrase Carol Baskin killed her husband. Or or just tiger. Um, we'll see if Colin gets this far in the episode. <laughs> he better, um, and he probably hasn't listened to the other ones, so he doesn't know to okay. listen for the. Okay. Meg, Meg, give Colin a code word to text you. Ooh, yes. Um, text. I'm safe now. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. If I don't, if I don't get that text, you're not safe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. That's uh, Colin. You've been warned. There you go. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yeah, Meg, thank you once again for, for coming on. Uh, do you have anything else to say to the people before uh, we'll let you, we let you go? Uh, happy Palm Sunday, all my Catholics out there. That we didn't What's get to celebrate it. That's true. Palm Sunday. Yeah. The, the, church, the, church is, of the, year. the church is canceled. It is canceled Not in our hearts. <laughs> right, Charlie? Um, okay. Right, Meg. Yeah, Charlie? He lives on. He lives on in all of us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. That's um, it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, be sure to check back for our uh, our episode tomorrow, uh, which will be our our Monday episode, I guess, to explain our release schedule. Also, quickly, because Ben was was fuming mad <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Um, we're going to be recording an episode on Sunday through Thursday, essentially so that people have an episode to listen to on Monday through Friday. That's in general, our strategy here. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so yeah, we will see you all tomorrow, but until then, peace. Summer of the rain, you can be like they are. Come on, baby.
Just let us in.